Welcome to Two Arabs and a Podcast. A show with no limits. Dating, business, martial arts, self-defense, and the life of two Arabs in America. Arabs in America. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your hosts. The owner of Warrior Academy, the son of an immigrant, international traveler, black rank in Krav Maga, a jiu-jitsu practitioner, and Brazil's national champion. And of course, 2018 Self-Defense Instructor of the Year, a bodyguard and military combative instructors, none other than Franz Azar. Joined by his co-host, Omar Aswan, the owner of Warrior Tactical Training, published author, doctor of criminology, world traveler, fluent in four languages, a military combat contractor, and a first-generation immigrant. The show begins now. Welcome to Two Arabs in a Podcast. I am your host, Omar, and I'm joined by uh, my co-host, Faraz Azab. How's it going today? Good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, this is our first podcast, so please hit the subscribe button, and uh, we'd appreciate if you keep us, write us a review, and uh, tell us what you think, or send us a message on Instagram. So today, it's a very... Uh, natural we're going to talk about what makes the show and what our goals of the show and talk about ourselves and ask each other questions so you can get to know us better and understand the direction that the show is going to go so philos uh what brought you to kansas city actually uh, i'm you know so i think uh, our podcast if you look at it everybody's like called immigrants or the son of an immigrant and i come actually from an immigrant family that immigrated to the united states I was born here in 1978 in East St. Louis, actually, oh, wow. um, to two immigrant parents. My dad is a Saudi Arabian. Um, my mom is um, from our mom's side is all Austrian. Um, actually, my grandmother is Jewish Austrian too. So I have Muslims and Jew in my uh, blood. So, so it's it's interesting the combination, but. Um, so born here, I traveled a lot, but my father actually graduated from Kansas City oh, wow. first when he did his uh, doctorate. Then, of course, he went to uh, St. Louis, and he's been very effective in the Midwest before he moved out. And we've been coming here a lot. You know, I've just been familiar about it. And I moved completely, actually, here in 1996 um, to Kansas City. I mean, that's just kind of the shortcut to say. Yeah. What about you? Oh, so about you? I came in 2009. I came here in uh, August 2009. I landed in New York. I spent four days there. Mm. And I came to Fulton, Missouri, a small town by between Kansas City and St. Louis. It's next to Columbia. I went to college, in, uh, Westminster College in Fulton, Missouri. That's what brought me here. And then I stayed in the area. I went to uh, University of Missouri in Columbia. Mm. I did my master's. And then I was offered a job in Kansas City in 2005 and moved here for the job. And since, the, since then, I've been here, essentially. So what made you start Warrior uh, Academy? What inspired that thought? Honestly, I've been in martial arts since a very young age, and uh, the thing is, you know this, um, living in the Middle East, actually, I mean, I my first intro to anything fighting was actually from my grandmother. She loved boxing. She was a big fan of Muhammad Ali, and the woman who I was raised with her, you know, and she, something about me as a kid, I had a little fro going on, or she used to think I looked like Muhammad Ali. She loved <laughs> boxing, and I just always, you know, do my fist and stuff, And but I was more into I used to watch wrestling a lot and kickboxing a lot so that's kind of my stepping in but as you know a lot of people don't understand this here us in the Middle East it's a requirement to go to school to do a martial art yeah and so that actually when I moved in the Middle East I was thrown you have to pick one so I got into judo first so that was kind of my growth when martial art but as I grown descended into Muay Thai and that and I went to club but to go back to the question, I mean, we're going to have a lot of episodes if we're going to go deep in martial arts. But to go to your question of what inspired me to do Warriors Academy is simply to the fact is I got sick and tired of McDojo gyms. Uh, so to explain to our audience, when we use the term McDojo, we're referring to McDonald's style franchise. You understand yeah, that, of course. So I've worked with a bunch of people back then, you know, I didn't have money to own my place, but, you know, I just worked and keep seeing this. And I got hooked up with my coach, uh, Nicholas Hughes, Nick Hughes, he goes by, which he is a well-renowned author, combative legend. I mean, the guy is listed as the 10 top deadliest human being in the world, if you read him by Black Belt Magazine. And I used to train with him a lot in he always used warrior term and when he, we made the warriors craft so I was like you know what to make it fit 
if you even look at our logo, I have the gladiator helmet, but the back of it, because, you know, his his background is from the French Foreign Legion. Yes. So when you see the sword and the wing, that's me paying homage to my coach and the French Foreign Legion. So that's how we coined the word warriors. Like, you know what? I'm going to open a place and make it to how we trained and call it the Warriors Academy, KC. So that pushed me. And, you know, I, uh, I don't want to get into details and waste time. How did I get to it? But honestly, it's where I pushed. And now we've been successful. I mean, for the five years I've been in business, the name now is renowned as the place for legit self-defense on martial arts. I mean, with the team I have, you've seen, you know, like Coach Derek Bohai. Yeah. Um, he's a legit MMA fighter, Marine vet, you know. There's just all of us have a pedigree of basically, I remember the first time we opened it. He told me, but we couldn't pull it off. But it's we wanted our slogan to be "No bullshit taught here." I mean, Omar, you came in as a student. You, you yourself, I mean, you've been in the military um, as a as contract contractor. Yeah. You know, being in Iraq, you yeah. see. But when you came in, you immediately one of those guys. I saw that when I looked at you, like. Fuck, I'm going to join this. Yeah, but it was not just bullshit and fake stuff that we're teaching by somebody who doesn't have experience. What I saw, a lot of places that open up have no ex- real hands experience. Yes. They attend the gym, they get their black belt, and they start teaching, but they have never been on a fight themselves. They have never actually worked in the military, never worked in a, as a police officer, never worked as a bodyguard, nope. never bounced, never did anything. And all of a sudden, they're teaching people about self-defense, but they don't have the real hands-on experience. And I think a lot of people, uh, and I get questioned because my company's name is also Warrior. Yeah, uh, Warrior. Warrior. Tactical training, Absolutely. and I get asked a lot of times if the warrior is a reference to military or you know tactical, and I say no. To me, and I think we're both on the same page. The warrior is a way of life that says we train hard. We're teaching legit stuff, but a warrior, somebody that stands up for the right, doesn't do wrong, mm-hmm. and is standing by the people who are weaker, helping the community. And that's what I think what makes us different. We're not just companies that people show up, train, and leave. We have both of us do a lot in the community and, and involved in the community and helping whether or certain organizations or going to the communities and doing things. That's why I say it's a warrior. It has nothing to do with, you know, wearing tactical training pants or showing up and playing, you know, a soldier on the weekend. It's about a way of life. You get a training, but also you get that uh, standing up for what's right and then protecting the people who need protection. And I think that's the, the gym is very unique because it's one of the, the only one probably in the Midwest that has legit experience with hands-on, but is not taught in a way that scares people away. Yes. It's not showing up and you have drill instructors yelling in your face and saying, we're better than you. It's very welcoming to everybody and I've been very inclusive to everybody in the community. We have a good douchebag filter, if you notice, too. It is, yeah. I mean, a lot of people walk in as much as I want to make it nice and look, I really, I wanted, when I built this place and got together and I looked at my mentors and just the backgrounds I came from and I've always learned and known martial arts itself, it's a community service. It is. And I don't want to hook my tooth as they would say, but in the five years I've been, I've proven my point of a lot. And that's what I like also about you guys, your company, Warrior Tactical, how you guys even stand up with the police organizations and funding and that. It's the same with us. You know, I literally wanted a place. And honestly, if you notice what I did, I opened it in the heart of Kansas City in downtown. Mm-hmm. It's an urban area, which I truly believe it needs self-defense. It does, yes. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. Suburbs need it all, but they cannot put it the way we do. No. And there's that hardcore style we got going. And at the same time, we reached, um, I've been highly supportive uh, with the women's shelters. Now I'm very proud to be part of the uh, big support to the LGBT community, which, you know, with KCAVP, the Kansas City Anti-Violence, because anti-violence project, but because I am in a community where everybody should have the right to defend themselves. Of course. They should Amazing. walk in peace. If you look at Krav Maga, the founder, Amy Lichtenfeld, yeah. he says, Krav Maga, so you may walk in peace mm-hmm. and live in peace. And this is really what I want to continue to do. All of these martial artists, if you read their history, I don't care, Bruce Lee, everybody, they never did this for money. No. We need money. Absolutely. Of course, yeah, I need of money course. to run this. I mean, I'm not going to be one of those Buddhist monks that said, day, don't pay me and I'm going to give you. No. But we have to make this affordable and attainable to everyone. Exactly. The goal is to spread it apart to the community and protect the community. Yeah, absolutely. Especially to the people that need it the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, women who are, you know, in shelters because they've been abused before. Or yeah. the LGBT community who sadly are targeted for hate crimes. You've seen the, the status? How scary it is in Kansas City? I was it ashamed. Is. It is. It is. And that's why we're 
reaching out to communities and providing them with the training they need. And, and that's why I think the term warrior comes there mm-hmm. because a warrior is standing up for somebody and saying, I will protect you. And part of the protection is training them and providing to somebody who needs the training and help that saying, you know what, I will give you training. And a lot of the t- times, and I know this for a fact and a lot of people might not, that the, the involvement with women shelters and stuff like that, you're actually fundraising for them and it's free. So you're not yes. making money off it. I'm you're not, you're I'm not I'm asking not. money like the seminars you do for a woman uh, yep. in April and October, they're, you're not paying for them. Nope. So you're actually paying them. You're yep. fundraising for them. I, would, for, I didn't claim one dollar. And exactly. I even a tax return of it, to be honest with you. They even told me, like, hey, what are you doing? And I, because yeah, I know, we come from a release from background. That is. And this is one thing is going to be unique, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, about this show. We, uh, I know we're bouncing a little bit off stuff here, but we, it, it just comes to us to make you understand. We are speaking of our background, but do understand, we as two Middle Easterns, Arab Americans also, we brought our way of our culture into this life here. And it's something... We talk. So when I mentioned about I never took a tax return, a receipt, it's something about us in our culture. And I'm talking about the Middle Eastern, especially Arabic Middle Easterns, because Middle East really expands. And we come from the Gulf region in specific. So you have to understand, we want to educate you. Not every Arab is a Muslim or not every Muslim is an Arab or just the term Arabic. We're all the same. No, we're not. It's just when you claim the West, you got Europe, you got the United States. I mean, who? Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a very big yes. term. So us from the Gulf, um, you see the people from Iraq, uh, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, uh, United Emirates, we have this thing about when we do good, like let's say um, uh, fundraiser stuff, the word claiming tax return to us makes us feel there is a, a, an agenda. Agenda, it. exactly. We're not doing it for the cause of good. No. But then I had to understand this when they tell me, Dude, you're not doing any agenda. This is something, you know? Yeah. But you know where I'm coming exactly. from. Exactly. Like, we usually help because we want to help. Yes. You know, like I, my uh, my company, we supported uh, the Latino Police Officer Association. You actually guys did a good job with that one. And uh, we do a lot of, uh, you know, every foreign officer we usually fundraise or give them money for. Yes. And we're not doing it because I'm not saying, oh, I'm going to go fundraise for this officer to claim tax return. It's silly. It's not. But we're seeing something. There's a problem in the community and saying we can help. Let's help in it. You're an organization that's standing for Latino police officers in Kansas City area. You need help and you need representation. Which I think they get it the worst, right? Being Latino officers? Is yes. that when you got involved with them? It is. It's it's a problem because it's a minority. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's not really that big of community Latino community in the Midwest. And suddenly you have a lot of race issues and a lot of racists. And now all of a sudden you have an officer that's shown up to your house who's Latino. And a lot of times people are looking down at the officer. Oh, you're what? What are you doing here? You're illegal or something like that. Wow. Why are you? Why are you in my house? You're not. I don't need protection from you. I want the white officer. So that there is a lot of racist. Yeah, issues. I didn't know about that. Yeah, and there's a lot of racist issues, sadly, in the community. And not so officers get worse because all of a sudden they have. They only they already get bad image for being an officer, but on top of it, they're getting a bad image for being a Latino officer, and and I think it's a problem for all minority officers. I mean, it's easier in New York City where a majority of yes. officers are Latinos or, or, or of color Italians or, or Italians, but here in the Midwest, it's a very very small minority, so a lot of people are not really handling it well. When somebody an officer shows up and says, "I'm Rodrigo's," they're like, uh, "Why are you here? Mm-hmm. Are you legal?" Mm-hmm. And what what do you mean I'm legal? I'm a police officer. I'm here to show up your house. You call nine one one. Yeah. So I think it's a problem, and that's why they needed the help. And they do a lot of things. They do things beside uh, police officers. They give uh, actual fundraisers to college, to a lot of the communities. They People apply for it, mm-hmm. apply for scholarships, and they give scholarships. Well, uh, the last one, when we had this lady, um, lady, she's Latina originally, and she had some domestic abuse going on, you reached out to them, and I was surprised. They shot a check immediately to you. Yeah, they. I reached out to them. I said, this woman is abused. She needs help. She needs financial help. Yeah. Uh, they didn't ask for her name. They didn't ask anything. Yeah, you they came said, up with the check. And, yeah, like, wow. and they said, here's $500. Give it to her. And I passed the information and gave her the check. $500. They didn't ask for who she is, what she's... They didn't even ask if she was Latina. Yeah. All they said, she's a woman that's abusing the community. We can help. And they did. And I think they do a lot of that. Like, they do a lot of uh, fundraisers for kids or they do programs for kids. So, they do beyond just police officers. And they do support for their families, too. Yes. Yeah. So, back to our track to um, in terms of our podcast. So, I think what makes us unique is where... American citizens. Of course. We're in the community. Let's put that out. Yeah, we're pretty close illegals. Yeah, we're we're legal, we're citizens, we're you know, we're not trying to marry anybody. We're not terrorists. Exactly. So but what makes us unique, we're Middle Easterns, we own businesses, uh, we're successful at what we do, and have a big impact in the community that we're in. 
And I think there's what we're trying to do with this podcast is educate people about the Middle Eastern culture, the misconceptions about Middle Easterns in general. There's a lot of misconceptions and there's a lot of misconceptions about what Arabic means or what Arabic culture means. And at the same time, my personal goal is reach out to a lot of the Middle Eastern communities and say it's okay to claim your Arabic identity. It's okay to claim that you're an Arab uh, because I think it's a problem. A lot of, including myself to a point, we are too ashamed to claim our Arabic. Oh, yeah. Ever, ever since 9-11, man. Yeah, you've seen that's it. a problem. I, mean, I remember when I met you. <clears throat> you came to my gym with your friend, Esteban. Yeah. <clears throat> if I literally didn't poke at you guys, you're going to tell me your name was Joe. Yeah. <laughs> no, we were. And I was like, I was born in Austria, which is true. I was yeah. born in Austria. But you avoided the whole... Yeah, I was like, I was born in Austria. I lived in Italy. I graduated high school in Italy. I moved here in 2009. I made it very big. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think it's a problem. A lot of times when you go to Starbucks and you say, my name is Muhammad, and they yell Muhammad. At the Starbucks, everybody gets scared all of a sudden. Like, oh, is this place gonna blow up? Yeah. No, this dude is just trying to take a coffee and move on with his day. He's not trying to blow up anybody. Yeah. And it's a it's a major problem for people. And that's why I see a lot of Arabs, including myself, to some point, will avoid the question and say, "Well, I was born here. I grew up here. I lived here," and avoid that question. So I think it's a good educational moment to say it's fine to be Arab. To the point, I got a lot of my followers on Instagram. By the way, you guys need to check us out on Instagram because we have our own thing going on there. But I get messages from Arab Americans in the Middle East and keep telling me, it's like, I admire how you're proud to be an Arab. I was like, of course I'm not proud to be an Arab. Yeah. We need to, what, what is wrong with that? Uh, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm all, I'm, I am a stand-up, you know, citizen of the United States. Yeah. I'm a proud American. Big exactly. time I'm fucking proud. You gotta guys find out in this podcast how there's a lot of us Arab Americans are patriotic and we gotta address this whole patriotic thing that everybody kind of stained it that you have to follow a sort of political party. Um, if you guys want to understand, this is not gonna be a political show, but there's no bullshit right here. And I think me and Omar see eye to eye when it comes to about, we're in the middle. And bullshit is bullshit. And on both sides, yeah. Yeah. I believe, um, I don't, I, I myself do not follow political agenda. This is not for business sake. Nope. This is my better belief. I don't follow cults. Because when I see something wrong, I'm calling it wrong. I don't give a shit if I voted for you or not. This is crap. Exactly. And what we are lacking in this country is this. So that's going to be for another episode. But going back to the Middle Eastern fact, it's not just we want to educate others. We want to even educate our own our culture. Because here's the thing. We are Americans also behave differently than traditional Middle Easterners. We and we want to bring our way of life too to the people down there. Because here's one thing. We can use this a little bit, this intro, just a, a, the misconception of how people think the Middle East despise America. If you guys do not understand how they look up to the American culture, yeah. oh my God, it's just like, you just say American. And it's like, I don't care. You guys see on TV, goes, oh, they're burning our flags. Man, you are going into the bumpkin areas yeah. of these uh, places. And you're showing these fanatic. I mean, now in the heart of Saudi Arabia, I don't care what you, if you like President Trump or not. They were cheering for him coming down there. Yeah, and that's their recent president. It is, and and a lot of the Middle East follow movies and music more than Americans here. They are like they know exactly what new song came yes. by Beyonce and what you know uh, what Michael Jackson release was and who, their lyrics. And they watch every movie that comes out and they pay attention. They know a lot about politics. Like politics, I have cousins that call me and ask me about what did Senator so and so do. Uh, and there's people in the U.S. that doesn't know who the senator is. They're like, uh, what senator? I, I've never heard of him. But they follow up on American news and they follow up on pop culture and they look up to it. Yes. Absolutely. And there's a lot of looking up and respect to it. But of course, the news shows, you know, the... Oh, without getting off. A lot of us are American born educated, by the way. Exactly. I mean, how, how many, all of us come, they come here to get educated in the cause of the United States, by the way. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They look up to that education. Yes. But, but uh, you know, the news doesn't show the education, doesn't no. show the normal people in the Middle East, doesn't show you that. What do they show you? They show you the trash of the Middle East, Absolutely. which is a minority. It's the same thing. If we look at the news and they show us, you know, um, some some ghetto area or white trash and they're like, OK, this is a representation of the U.S. It's not a representation of the U.S. No, it's not. It's not. It's, there's thousands and millions of people who are educated, smart, well-dressed, well-behaved. And the same thing. When you look at the news, you know, any news channel is not going to make money of showing a regular relation dude going to his office. Nope. And looking nice and saying, you know, this is Ahmed. He goes to his job every morning. They know they don't. What do they show you? They show you that guy who's in who has like missing all his teeth, and they're like, burn hell to America. Yeah, that's what they show you because it makes more followers and more money. And that's what we're trying to say. We're like, look up and I mean, talk to people in the community and reach out. You'll be surprised that there's a lot of us who are educated, who has education, who has good backgrounds, who are owning business, helping the community. And we're Arabs. We're not, you know, Arabs in our, our own community. We immigrated 
and integrated to the communities of the mm-hmm. U.S. And we're part of the U.S. culture, but we have our own identity and we bring our own twist to things. The funny thing is, speaking of that, I had a friend message me. He was like, because he watches our Instagram and see this whisper, said, you're the only two tatted Arabs i ever seen. It's like, excuse me? Yeah. Two tatted two Arabs? I was like, do you know one of our tattoo artists is an Arab? Yeah, my tattoo artist is Arab. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he is tatted from head to toe. I was like, maybe we're the two most vocal. Put it that way. Yeah. We're out as being. I was like, it's kind of funny. He's like, did we just come out of the closet? Hey, we're his Arabs. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, we're pushing that out. I was like, yeah, this is our background. But you don't see me like, hey, I'm Arab. You have to respect me kind of shit. No, it's not about that. We're not asking special treatment. No, we're not. But it's funny, like, I, some of the things I get, but then I look, I was like, if you go, even now to Saudi, as fanatical as things, things have changed, by the way. There's guys that see got neck tat, sleeve tat. Hey, we are, like, in this. This yeah. is just a... It's, it's not, we're like everybody else. And yeah. that's why I think a lot of people don't think, oh, Middle Easterns don't have tattoos. Or Middle Easterns, <laughs> oh, they, they don't drink. We had it from the beginning of time. I mean, even the Prophet had issues with tattoos because you don't want them tatting their faces because it's scaring people. Exactly. And I think there's, uh, even I, I remember a lot of, like, the old Older ladies in the middle. Oh yes, they have like dots on their arms yes, and like tattoos face. on their face. And it's very common. What tattoo. about the Arab warriors? They used to tattoo their face as a war tactic. Exactly, they scare they scare the enemy. Yeah, and it's very common. But people here think, oh, you're you're tattooed up. You must be Latino. You're not Arab. Uh, what? No, I am an Arab. Yeah. We have tattoos. It's very common. My tattoo artist, as he said, he's Arab. <laughs> and he's a tattoo artist who's very successful at what he does, actually. Absolutely. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions like that. Oh, if you are Arab, you must do certain things. No, there is no one way of doing things. Where, what, what 600 million people or more? We don't all act the same way. We don't even speak the same language. Not all of us are even Muslims, by the way. This is another thing they're going to surprise you guys. Yeah. I mean, we are together by geographically and yeah we are very proud people but it's just weird how the religion became a race it's like they're muslim what is muslim but 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 the biggest muslim country in the world is indonesia which is not arabs yeah not arabs at all they're not part of the middle east they're not you know they don't look middle that's by the way by the way i just found out the new statistic that's the only country left that don't let women driving yeah and they're they're indonesians they're not arabs no 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 they're not and saudi arabia gets attacked in saudi arabia now is allowing women to drive exactly and that's why a lot of people get surprised when i say oh i'm Arab, oh, you're Muslim. Muslim. I'm not Muslim. I have Muslim family, hmm? but how? Oh, how can you not be Muslim if you're Arab? Not all Arabs are Muslims, and not all Muslims are Arabs. There's a lot of uh, Asians who are Muslims. There are Europeans who are Muslims. There are white Muslims. There are British Muslims. It's not an identity. It's a it's a religion. It is. It's not. You know, not all Christians are white. And the same thing. Not all Muslims are Middle Easterns, and people don't understand that or don't want to believe that. They think oh, every 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 Arab is Muslim. No, it's not. And I think there's misconceptions about that. Like we talked about Lebanon a couple of days ago. Yes. You know, uh, and actually I looked it up. The number one country in the world in terms of gay clubs in the world is Lebanon, a Middle Eastern country. Boom, 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 boom. Exactly. But, <laughs> but yeah, we get accused or people think, oh, if you're Middle Eastern, you must be, you must be homophobic. Yeah, and we're uh, killing them. You're I mean, killing, you're killing gays left and right. No, no not really. Uh, I mean, literally, I was reading an article because I was searching for it. We talked about it. And it said it was this guy that lives in Paris. He said he flies to Lebanon twice a year to go to the raves in Lebanon because they have the biggest gay raves in the world. And he's like, it's, it's much, much better than Paris. So he goes to Lebanon. And yet we get accused of being anti-gay or anti-woman or anti-this or anti-that. And that's the point. It's, it's 600 million people. You can't judge 600 million people. I mean, we don't speak even the same language. There's a lot of times people, uh, part of the Middle East that speak Arabic, we don't understand them, like Algerians or Libyans. I don't understand what they're talking about. Yeah. So how are you going to judge an entire continent almost? It's not a continent, but almost. Yeah. Based on what you see on the news of the two or three people you've seen or you've met in your life. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the major problem. Well, I mean, and I will say this, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we sometimes cuss a lot, so you got to get over in this podcast, but like that piece of shit Osama Bin Laden is what's the beginning of the crap that him and his, whatever, 18 of them? Yeah. And suddenly we switch from him. And actually, President Bush was way better than a lot of people, as much as you can disagree with the war after that toward Iraq. I'm talking about handling the situation with Osama, but he came in as like, hey, they do not represent Islam. They don't, they don't represent every Saudi citizen because they were most of them are Saudis. Yeah. There was a bunch of them hiding in Afghanistan. Because they were banned in Saudi Arabia. They, that's the thing. Yeah. The whole crowd. I was like, do you understand Osama bin Laden was banned? For, and what he did, as much people thought it was an anti-American move. He wanted to destroy the Saudi government. And he succeeded that time. He did. Saudi had a lot of flack after that one. And he got attacked around the world and claimed them. It, it, it destroyed economically because a lot of, how many Saudis were traveling? They were scared. Yeah. 
Yeah, because any time you say you are Saudi traveling, you can't. Yeah, you well, can't. it's the same with the Iraq. After exactly. the war, how did they treat you guys? Exactly. Yeah, we can't go anywhere. Yeah. And that's the problem. Is it's Biladin? People say, oh well, he's Saudi. Well, he can't enter Saudi Arabia. No, he can't. None of the the guys were all sitting in Pakistan, Afghanistan. They couldn't go to the Middle East. Yeah, because they were not welcomed. Yeah. So how are you going to say they represent Middle East when they're not even welcome? They're banned. Enter. They can't enter anywhere. They're not sitting in Saudi Arabia opening up mosques and saying, you know what, we're, we're Al-Qaeda headquarters. They're in Afghanistan. So if you want to judge something, judge Afghanistan. That family got screwed, man, because they have a lot of businesses in that country. And now I think with the new king, uh, I mean, he's the son of the king, but I call him the king, actually, Mohammed bin Salman, which I, I adore. He did an amazing job to opening up that country finally to make it it is what it is. I mean, a young man educated just like And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, this is an example of the new generation. This guy, you just have to read about him too. Just like us, this is how we think. But he even saw the whole Biladin thing, man. He shut down everything that related to them. And it's not because just him, there was a lot of corruption in the family. There is, yeah. There is. And they had so much stock in things. And that's what hounded countries like that. The filthy folk, the riches was corrupt as hell. And it, it, it spewed out people like him. Exactly. He was a little brat. This Biladin guy is a little brat. He was. He, he was kicked out of his family. He was kicked out of the country. Yeah. And now you're treating everybody who is Arab yeah. as we're Bin Laden followers. And you're... <laughs> You know, you stop us in every airport and treat us like we're tourists. Shit. <laughs> like, yeah, I get stopped in Vegas when I'm drunk. I can't even walk straight and they're stopping me in Vegas to ask me a million questions. Like, I can't even answer your questions. I'm too drunk to stand, like, straight. What do you think I'm going to do? Like, hijack the plane drunk? <laughs> like, I can't even, like, literally walk to the plane. I need, I need my friend is still to hold my hand to carry me to the plane. Mm -hmm. And they don't get that. They're like, uh, no, your, your name must flat. Please, extra screening. Mm -hmm. For what? And that's what they don't get. And and we're not asking for pity. We're not asking for... No, you don't see us complaining because you don't see us outside. Think we, if you know what's one thing about our culture, we don't go outside and protest. No, we don't. We don't do this crap. We don't see woe is me and all that. We just want to educate people about this. Actually, we laugh it off because with a lot of, you know, my uh, friends, African-American people in the community, when they talk about racism and that, and I understand. There is things there. Don't get me wrong. But nowadays... Dude, we got it the worst. And we just laugh it off like, hey, we're used to it. <laughs> yeah, I think the difference is we, we just take it, laugh about it, and keep going. When we get stopped in the airport every single time and get extra screening, we laugh it off. It's like my every everybody watch my Facebook post about when next I got stopped and searched. Yeah, exactly. But we laugh about it. We don't, you know, we don't throw a fit. When we get stopped by police and they show up every officer in town, show up eight cars to say you are speeding, we don't throw a fit about it. We're like, all right, cool, I was speeding. There's eight officers, even better. But you know what plays a role in that? Though, man? We have, uh, we need to tell the crowd. We came from oppressed countries. We did, yeah. We understand what oppression looks like. Like when things is so good now, there we grew up around the oppressed times. Even though I was born here, I grew up down there. Yeah, well, I'm a big majority of my life. And the funny thing is, when I again, we're not doing political crap, but. When President Trump got uh, voted in, became the president of the United States, and everybody flipped the fuck off here. I was literally inside laughing. I was like, you guys really think you voted at a person? Yeah. And every time when he was doing something, to us, it wasn't major because we really saw what oppression is. It is. We, we saw really dictatorships. Yeah, we exactly. lived under them. When they kick in the fucking door and take everybody out for no reason. Yeah. You because somebody said a joke about the president. Yes. And then you all get dragged. The entire family with your cousins and you go to prison. You guys cuss the president here on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody has anything happened. No, they can't do that in the least. <laughs> Even as open minded as now, dude, people don't want to do that. No, they just don't. Not, you know, we're not so no, no, you don't fuck with the government in the least. Yeah. You can do anything you want, but you can't fuck with the government. That's why you draw a line. You can't say anything about the government. Yeah. You say something, you're gonna end up in a secret prison somewhere. And that's why that's real oppression to us. Or even when you get stopped by cops. Yeah, that might be like racist that they're stopping us and here and they show up with eight officers instead of one. Mm -hmm. But in the Middle East, if I get stopped, I'm gonna oh, get beating first and yeah. then they ask questions. So I'm like, oh, at least I'm not getting beat. I just have eight officers. So what? Let them bring the entire police department. And I think that's the difference. So what, for us, what are you hoping to get out of this podcast? Like what, what direction do you wanna take it in? Man, there's a lot of, uh, the, uh, the main focus of this is, okay, the podcast is called Two Arabs and a Podcast. I mean, that right there, I want to introduce or open mind, first of all, to people about what Arabic culture, what is being an Arab in America. And by the way, this is not a woe is me podcast, so you're not going to get that from us. Second, um, we want to discuss a lot about us, how we became successful in business, yeah. how we started from nothing and became something and still going through more. And other stuff like, 
you know, empowerment. Uh, we are, you know, being connected with a lot of good influential people and stuff that just made us who we are. I mean, even hell, we got to be talking about communications, um, which plays also in a part of what I talked about the dating scene when it comes to seduction. Just like yesterday, me and you went out and we yeah. were just dying watching what's going on. Yeah, it was so funny. So it, it's like literally, we don't want to call it their warriors podcast of way of life, but it's kind of that way. Yeah. So I think if you're listening, it's not going to be just all us, us, us. This is the first one we're introducing ourselves yes. to give you a background. Yeah. And of course, we're going to talk about how two Arabs live in America or how two Arabs and bring you that cultural twist. But uh, if you're not Arab, you can still listen. We're, we're going to have business advice. Uh-huh. We're going to have martial art advice. Yes. We're going to have self-defense advice. We're going to have dating advice. Uh, we're we're beyond just two Arabs. We have a lot going on in our life and we can share a lot of things. We've started businesses from literally zero dollars or scratch or nothing. We made, we built up really big successful businesses. We've done things like that. So we can talk about beyond just being an Arab. We can talk about dating. Like yesterday we were on the bar we watched a guy uh, getting hit on by a woman and he didn't know how to respond. Like so, she really was dancing on her man? And he literally stood there looking at her like didn't even talk and he was talking to his buddies. Yes. And uh, I know it's like time I look at her he just taps her butt. I'm like what is Yeah that? he just taps her and like grab her man and go. And like go have a shot with her and go walk away and talk to her like but no there's no <laughs> and, and, and we're seeing that we you know we're living in a culture where dating is becoming more and people yeah. don't even know how to talk. They send messages, yeah. hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and so that's why we're, we're going to have podcasts about dating and talk about relationships and how to communicate with people. Because communication is key, not only in dating, but in business. You oh, can't yes. a business if you don't know how to communicate. How are you going to own a business? Well, to talk about when you said communication, um, I have a lot of, um, even actually the female's friends of mine, when the first they saw me with my, uh, you know, Arashi Bazaar, yeah. my, my good friend, um, a lot of people give that guy flack. I mean, he's just bald as hell. But Arash is really also considered a mentor to me, and he grows to me more in the art of seduction. It is communication. He's a pickup artist too. Legit martial I mean, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to be having people like him guests on here. So you're going to start seeing the other side of what these people is and what makes up our life also. But going back to that whole seduction thing, like I literally been doing it for so many years with him and just like reading into things. I've used it in friendship, relationships, communications, online, offline. I mean, in all forms. It all goes to the communication. It does. And it just shocks me now as a society right now. He's talking to communicate. I'm talking about even me communicating as an instructor. Part of my success, guys, is not showing physical abilities. It's how I'm communicating to my students. I literally, you, you've, been, you've been my student for how many years? Uh, three years, I think. Yeah. yeah. I would stand. There'll be days like I am in so much pain. I can literally teach an entire class by using my words. You see me when I bring exactly. two guys like Shannon Drew. I was like, start doing this, this. Yeah. And you guys follow them. I exactly. use the correct form. I can't move that day. I was exactly. like, oh, again, that's communication. But it's the communication is lost now. People don't know how to send emails. Don't know how to send messages. Oh man, yeah. They don't know how to ask questions. There's a style. They, they don't. don't know how to do they it. don't know how to do stuff. Yes. They don't know how to talk to women. They don't know how to talk to men. And it doesn't. It's not just dating. If you don't know how to talk to a woman in a bar, then I'm sorry, you're more likely not going to talk to a you know to a company owner to get a job. You're not be able to talk to somebody and say, let's partner up. If you can't talk to me, then you're. I'm not going to be interested in partnering up with you, no matter how good your product is. Yes. I mean, like, what a majority of our conversations we have about business, we're not sitting in an office writing on a board. No, we're not. Where is it? We're, it's in a bar. We're talking yeah. casually and say, hey, we have an idea. Let's put this stuff together and get moving. But if you, so one of us doesn't know how to communicate and we're sitting in a bar awkwardly looking at the table, what partnership is going to be there? You know, I never thought about it, but you're right. Most of our business sh- shit that we pulled off was in a social center. Exactly. With most people, like every person you know or every person I know, or even us, where does it happen? In a bar. Where did we schedule talk about this podcast? in a bar we go eat and talk about stuff but if you don't have communication skills and you're looking at your phone and like awkwardly uh, 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 then guess what there probably wouldn't be a podcast there wouldn't be a business partnership how are you going to propose to somebody say hey hire us to do a seminar or let's host you a seminar if we can't talk to them and it's not just dating and people suck at it like people and it's one of my pet peeves and you know it too and I think it's annoys you too when people just send me a question in the middle of the day oh man like uh, with no like nothing left like in the middle of the day I get a question uh, is are you still teaching this class I'm like why can't you just say hello how are you doing today are you still teaching this class today like it's communication you want to walk to me in person when you haven't seen me all day and just say 
philosophy? Are you still teaching a class tonight? Yeah, just like out of no, like out of the blue. Like, how about hey man, how's it going? Are you still teaching a class tonight? I mean, hell, when you send me a text, you're like good morning, good afternoon. Are you gonna respond with yeah, you like that? It takes two seconds to write good morning, yeah. and that's communication skills. And I think a lot of people are missing that. And 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 a lot of the women that we know in our lives are com- um, complaining to us, saying guys don't know how to talk to them. They're sending them messages with hey 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 or hi or you're beautiful with like just endless messages yeah. that are annoying. And these are the guys that are, don't know how to communicate in their jobs. Yes. They're getting awarded, literally like we saw it, getting rewards, and they're like, give a speech for a minute, and they're like, uh, thank you. I walk away. If you can't give a speech to thank people for your reward, the reward that you just got, yeah. then you may have a problem. You can't talk for one minute to say, hey, thank you, I appreciate this. I mean, you talked and you were amazing. You had to stand up. Everybody still Yeah, you saw that. And, uh, I mean, like I tell people, I was like, when I was uh, for the inductor, when I'm inductor for the Hall of Fame, yeah. and I was there, I was surprised by some of the martial artists. It was like, thank you. And just so down, I'm like, how can you teach a class? That's a big word in your life, and you have an academy, and, and you know, how, how are you going to teach academy if you can't say a speech in yeah. front of 60 people? No. Yeah. How are you going to teach a I class? mean, mine, they wanted to limit me. I could have spoke, but yeah. I went in, I was like, you know what? I walked in. I was like, all right, what do I got? They said, uh, maybe a minute. I was like, a minute? I was like, are you serious? No. Like, all right, two, three minutes. I was like, so I already, when I walked in, had a plan. I was like, how I'm going to deliver my message of what I do and what it means to me and captivate the crowd about the message at the end of the day and why we're doing this. And you know, you saw, like, you saw everybody stood up and gave me a sort of, uh, you know, good standing ovation. But I literally said this to him, that, um, um, the guy that Thomas, he told me, he's like, man, you gave such a moving speech. I said, this is me talking every day in my academy. That's, That's how it is. Yeah. I was like, ask my students. That's how it is. How I teach and how I talk. Because honestly, if you're shy about talking in front of a setting like that, how are you going to show up to a seminar with 600 people and talk to them? Absolutely. How are you going to show up to a police station and train 60 officers when you're too shy to talk in public? Uh-huh. And, and and how are you going to, how are you going to get to that? anyway if you can't talk to people and communicate with them and reach that level of comfort that says hey I'm going to tell you about myself and what I'm doing and like we get you know like yesterday we were out in a bar and we get asked about business and we're probably we've been drinking for five hours and (laughs) probably shit faced and we still got somebody come to ask questions about hey I want to do a seminar with you guys and it's enough the bar so it's not scheduled uh, I'm going to send you an email ask you a question and if we're we're shitty communicators I'll be like I'm kind of drunk I don't know what you're talking about but we managed to conversate and, and make something happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that's communication skills. If we didn't have communication skills, he'd come to ask us question and be like, uh, we're drunk, so I don't know what you're talking about. And a lot of people are missing that. It seems like missing in dating and business and everything. And people think, oh, if you, if you suck at dating, then it's okay. You can succeed in other parts of life. But I think if you – the basic communication in dating can translate to your job. To your career, to starting a business, and everything else. See, we're going to have somebody argue with us. I suck in dating life, but I'm a successful businessman. I was like, okay, you're that awkward social person. I get it. Yeah, it could be that. But I'll tell you what, dude. Again, I will use this guy. As many people want to talk shit about, but Arash himself, I use him as our time. The man I remember who, before he even became a millionaire, said, I will be a millionaire at this time. Yeah. Said it. I was around when that man announced it. <laughs> He is a successful businessman. He's a successful... Okay, he's a pickup artist, but he he's Middle Eastern, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. By the way, another Middle Eastern, so yeah. you guys understand, from the Gulf region as yeah. well. So, um, and one day I remember when he went to buy his uh, Mercedes that he wanted, you know, and before he did, he walked in and needed cash to yeah. prove a point. You do it. Yeah. No, he's showing off. I was like, actually, he's not showing off. This is a man showing his success. Exactly. He works hard for it. Yeah. Worked but again, going back, you will, he will sit and he knows how to drive the communicate. And that's what I do. Yeah. Like I would walk in literally. Remember that uh, seminar we were at in Wichita? Yeah. Like I would come in and I'm like, I looked at everybody and I'm like, holy shit, this is a dead crowd. But you didn't see me stutter. You no. didn't see me break a sweat. I was like, all right, we're going to work with it. And you got to read Move. body language and understand communication <sighs> and talk to people. And people are missing that. Mm-hmm. Missing it's majorly. I pick a lot on instructors because I'm an instructor. And... One thing I give to my coach and accuse as well, when we do instructor training, it's all about speaking. Yeah. He uses Toastmasters, speaks, all that. And I'm like, oh, that's too much. I was like, you are communicating to the crowd that's paying you. Exactly. If honestly, you've been in my gym with different instructors, you've seen the ones that train under me, they still have that energy. Yeah. When I tell her, I run a class, and remember when you were complaining about the other person, like, man, the guy's just, there's no energy. Exactly. Just- no, it is. And I think, uh, I think the key, you know, like, 
communication. People read body language and read vibes. Yes. And it's very well. If you're in a bar and I can go talk to a woman and know exactly if she's interested or not from the first two words that come out of her mouth uh-huh. based on body language, where she's sitting, where she's facing me. And if I show up to a this car lot and I'm buying a car, I can tell if the guy is interested in selling me a car or he thinks I'm not going to buy and treating me like shit. I can tell, you know, by what he's saying. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with instructors. I've seen instructors that show up and speak monotone and just sounds like I don't want to be here. Yes. If you don't want to be here as a student, I don't want to be here either. I don't want to pay you and be in your academy. Yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm going to go take my money elsewhere where they want to be there. They want to be excited about being there. I mean, as an instructor, I think it's it's viral that you inspire people to be there. You are encouraging them. They have, oh shit, I don't want to be here. I'm scared to be here. I have a bad day. I'm going to suffer for the next hour. Mm-hmm. But oh, the instructor is comforting me, not babysitting me, but comforting that he's excited about this. I get excited. Yeah. But if the instructor is dead and I'm like, uh, okay, then I don't want to be here anyway. Like I, most people don't want to show up and train mm-hmm. and you're discouraging people. And that goes back to communication. And that's why I think he will not be successful in any business because he lacks that communication skills. He lacks that. He doesn't understand that just showing up is not enough. Yeah. You got to be able to, to be excited and be passionate about what you do. Mm-hmm. It's not just talking. If you if you just show up and talk in a monotone, people get bored and be like, well, I'm going to go somewhere else where they're going to be excited to be here. I agree with you 100%. I mean, think of, this is what I tell my instructors. I teach them to teach. I was like, do understand you are one of them. How do you feel that you, you're coming here? These people are coming from their headache job. They got an hour. Yeah. This hour is important for these people, and I have to get them up there. I can walk in and put on the whiteboard behind me what are you guys going to do. I'll just, right, just follow us and just stand there. Yeah. This is why when I have an issue with I see like CrossFit gyms all just listed, I'm like, okay, fine. But not judging all of them. I've seen very great coaches also there as well. But I walk in, as soon as I put my foot on that mat in front of all these people lined up to me, it's showtime. Yeah. It's go. I will walk in with all the headache of the world on my back. Yeah. Once all I stress and all that, my foot on that mat, it's my show right now. Let's go. And you see everybody after class, like, oh my God, that was amazing. Or you have to, man. You, you excited the crowd. You're paying me to do this. But what's the key here? Communication. You're communicating with people. You're not just standing on the mat. What is the communication from the beginning to get them in there? Exactly. So imagine if I was shut down from the beginning. Exactly. It's communication to get them to sign up. It's communication to get them to keep going. Mm-hmm. Communication. And that that's why I think you're successful in what you do. But it also translates, you can communicate in a bar and talk to a woman. You're not, you're, I think that's why there is no communication that's shut down. Yeah. We communicate 24-7. And if you can't communicate via text message, then you probably suck at proposing to people or responding to them in emails about the academy. Yes. And it's it's not just one thing. We are humans. We are not just one. You can't be good at one thing. You have to be good at everything. Yeah. And it comes from, I don't think people who are probably listening, oh, I'm bad at communicating. Okay, fine. But you know what makes you a better communicator? Practice of learning how to talk. Yeah, stop putting yourself out there. Like, it's not going to get better because you think, oh, I'm a bad communicator and just stop. If I'm bad at driving, guess what improves me? I have to drive more to learn to drive. Seek somebody to teach you to as well. Yeah, you can uh, see. I see people funding money and stupid shit. You can put somebody to teach you, man. Yeah, learn learn how to talk to people. Learn how to communicate to people. And, like, learn how to understand the psychology of things. Like, I had a person ask me, he's like, Omar, I've been on Tinder for six months and nobody responds to me. And I said, why? Let me look at your profile. And I read his profile. He had a picture of him holding a deer, a dead deer. <laughs> and it's in camouflage with a shotgun. And he goes, the profile said, I love hunting, fishing, and drinking beer. The fuck? And I said, was going to talk to I was like, okay, you might find a woman that might be interested in you. But more likely, you should flip your thing and look for a man to go hunting, fishing with you. Because you're seeking things that men want to do, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what you want. You want you want a friend to do that with yeah. you. Like we all have passions, but our passions that are most likely gender based, yes. you know, like uh, Liz, for example, my girlfriend loves yeah. shopping. She's not going to force me to go shopping with her and say, oh, I like to go shopping. I might go with her one a day, but that's what you have girlfriends for. Or that's what we have friends to do certain things with. And I was like, you're writing things that are appealing to men. Uh-huh. So if you're trying to pursue a woman, you're more likely to you have to switch your profile and talk about the middle ground. I'm not saying change who you are, but talk about other passions that you have that you can have in common more likely with a woman. Yeah. Talk about, I love movies or I love going out to the park or I love to do something that are more gender neutral. Uh-huh. And it's not saying it's sexism or this and that. But who's going to be interested in a guy posting a picture of the dead deer holding it? 
and he's sending pictures to girls. Hi, 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 hi. And then that's another thing. Oh my god. Um, I've been talking to this lady for a bit, and uh, she's uh, she's successful at what she does, and you know, she has a uh, she's so athletic. But my god, and you know, I've heard that before. I've seen that before, and you know, I can even share what women even send to me sometimes. But like, literally, she got this guy. Hi, hi. Hi, yeah. hi, and I'm like, what? Are you? And, and you know when she rejects him? Well, fuck you, bitch. Yeah. You think you're all that, dude? You said you spent a month hiding her the whole time, and now like, she's a bitch because she doesn't want to respond to you. I mean, think about it. Would you go in public, stand by a woman, and say hi? No, hi. I'm pretty sure you get arrested for that. That's harassment. I'm pretty sure some guy's gonna punch you, yeah. or someone is. The gonna bouncer's gonna drag you out of the bar. Are you gonna get yeah. arrested? Yeah, that is harassment. That is, that is. But it. you see what this online bullshit have done. No, and do you know what goes back to for us? Mm. Goes back. People don't know how to communicate in person. So, well, I had, I had somebody ask me the same dude. He goes, Omar, how come you're successful on Tinder? When I had Tinder. Yeah, and I answered. I said because I know how to talk to people yes. in person. I know how to pick up a girl in a bar. That translates no me knowing how to talk it's to people online. Not sending dick pics either, guys. Exactly. I wouldn't go to a bar and, be, and unzip my pants and be like, "Look at my dick." I wouldn't do that. So when I go on Tinder, I treat it as if I'm in a bar. I literally think, if "This is a woman in a bar. What would I say to her?" And that's exactly what I sent. Yeah. And then I said, think of that. And he goes, I, I don't approach women at the bar. Well, maybe you should start doing it so you know how to fucking talk to them. Yeah. You, because you're, I promise you, you're not going to go to a bar and show her your dick. I promise you 100%. You will get arrested, dude. Yeah, you, you what fuck? Fuck? Yeah, exactly. Or you wouldn't go to a woman and ask her out of the blue, hey, uh, down to fuck? Like, no woman is going to, you're going to get slapped in the face. But people do it online because they build courage online. Let me tell you something. Let me go back to something. Actually, this, this reminded me of a story. I worked at the circles. I can remember. Yeah. And even when I used to go to circles, I dated a lot from there. Yeah. Guess what? I never put a dollar. Yeah, exactly. I see these guys. It's the same way. I would talk to them as any woman. And, and you know what? Some people judge them. But I had like really a badass girlfriend back then when I was working. And I used to laugh. I would go home and count the cash the guys you know, give her. Yeah. Literally, man. She was tall. Um, she was really built for looking too. So she was intimidating looking. Yeah. But to me, that was a challenge. Like, I'm going to get that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I just. And she even. And like anybody would see me. And they're like, how the fuck? Why? You know? They're like, why? And she flat out said. When I asked one of my friends, I said, tell her. Friend, she's like, he came up and talked to me. Yeah. He didn't drool. But guys are not I didn't, I didn't want to grab her boobs. I didn't tell her. So, I mean, I see you naked working all the time. Yeah. So, I was like, I said, this is what I did. I was like, do you want to go? Let's grab a coffee. And she looked at me. And you know, she already had a look. All right. Yeah. You're going to be one of those guys working here. It's like, let's grab a coffee where you have clothes on so I can look at you when we talk. It changed. It changed. I mean, it's like okay. We went for coffee, and I said, "Now I can look at you." She's like, "Why would you not look at me?" I was like, "Your boobs were in my face the whole time." I mean, what am I going to be staring at? Exactly. Changed the whole thing. Exactly. But I think that's another problem. It's a cultural thing, and strong women, and I, you know, a lot of them, and I know a lot of them, of course, are struggling to find dates. Struggling because men are intimidated by strong women. Mm -hmm. They're intimidated. Or when they approach a strong woman, they think, oh, she's strong, so I should just give up and act weaker on her. You know, I was on a date uh, about a year and a half ago. We went to Starbucks. Mm -hmm. The woman was very alpha. She was a very strong woman, and she's a cop. Mm -hmm. And she's a SWAT officer, so she has the good background. And I was talking to her, and I got up, and I was like, okay, let me walk into your car. She said, why? I was like, because it's late, and I'm going to walk into your car. And she looked at me. She goes, you're the first guy that ever says that. Every guy I go on a date with makes a joke. You're a cop, so you're going to walk me home and protect me? You're the first person that says, I'm going to treat you like a woman. I'm going to walk you to your car. And not look so at me and say, protect me. Say that to somebody. Yeah, exactly. You know? and, and, and I was like, what? She goes, every guy I've been with says that. You're like, oh, you're a cop, so you're going to protect me. Yeah. And instead, you were the first person that says, you know what? I don't give a shit if you're a cop. I'm going to still treat you like a lady. I'm going to walk into your car, open your door for you, and let you in a car to make sure that you're safe. And then she was surprised by that. And I think there's a lot of women who are they're surprised because they're strong women, but they can't find a man because the men act, either give up and act weak around them yeah. or are too intimidated to approach them. They look at them from across the bars and the messages online, but they don't want to come and say hello to them. They don't want to say anything to do with them. Mm -hmm. And it's a problem. Like Women are really struggling to find men who are on their level because yeah. men are getting weaker and it's nothing to do with politics nothing to do with culture no, 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 no. religion men are just getting weaker they don't want to they don't want to act like men 
You know, it's not sexism. It's not this, not that. But there are women who are alphas. It's not alpha. It's not entitled just to men. Yeah. And men are not acting alphas. And I'm not talking about douchebag alpha who act like an asshole. Yeah, that's another thing we need to break down because the word alpha really got douchebag the fuck out. It's like the tap out guys and all that shit with those shirts. Yeah, no, I think that's another podcast to talk about alphas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, I agree with you. And if I look uh, at it from all the angles, like from last side of that, I mean, we kind of diverted from the subject where we're doing today, but going to this, uh, it's really important we address. And if you notice, we're kind of passionate about this because this is an issue. And this is an issue. It's changing the demographic of dating. It is. It, and, and the communication between men and, women, uh, men and women. And here's another thing. This whole, let's say, the Me Too thing. It's Killing the courting part of a man to a woman. W- women do not deny this. And I'm repeating, I'm getting so close to the mic because I'm about to bite the mic off. Omar's <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> but do not deny that you do not want a man to court you. And I don't know, we need to define to them what that means because I'm like, what are you talking about? He's going to grab my book. No, it's not about that. A woman wants a guy to go for her, show her his interest. Not physically. We're not talking about bragging, grabbing a bar and no, fucking over the bar. You can take somebody for a donut and you show them there's interest. No, there is. And I think that the problem is with the Me Too, and it's not political at all, nope. but the more fake stories come out, and there's a lot of stories that are coming fake, it takes away from the women who are real. Yes. Me and you, we both work with women shelters and work with women who are abused and help women. like Raped, that. man. And raped. All and the ones we have now. We have a lot of women who are raped and, and we're very passionate about helping people like that. And it makes our job harder because when we say, oh, this woman needs help, donate to her or help her with your time. Yes. People are like, oh, is it really or is it another fake story? Because there's so many fakes. Yeah. And that's the problem. It's like I get offended personally when I see fake stories and they end up in court and get dismissed and the woman says, oh, I was joking or lying about it. Because you're taking away from the real woman that need help. Well, let's, you just said it. Isn't that making our job hard now? It is. And the shelters in Kansas City are only capable of hosting about 10%. Yeah. What did that, what, what is that thing I the posted? Statistic, the statistic that you posted said yeah. they're shutting, they're telling women about 2,500 women a year, they can't shelter them. 14,000. 14, oh, 14,000. 14,000. There are 14,000 women in Kansas City area, only Kansas City. Yeah. They're saying you cannot be in our shelter. We don't have space for you. So imagine if you're faking the story, you're taking shelter away from a woman that might actually need the help. Yeah. And at the same time, it's scaring men because men don't want to act like men anymore. They're too scared to open a door for you and offend you. Yeah. Or too scared to say, I want to take you out without, you know, saying, oh, that's sexual harassment. Mm-hmm. We're not, we're talking, there's a lot of, men needs a lot of education. Yes. They need a lot of shaping because they, they misunderstand what being alpha is and they think grabbing a woman in public is acceptable. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of assholes like that. But now men are, are, they don't know how to act anymore. They don't know how to even ask a woman in public, hey, can I take you out? They're like, uh, maybe she will say that's harassment. Maybe she will say this. And it's, it's getting a problem. So I think it's, it's a problem for both genders. Women need to focus on empowering other women that actually suffer and need the help and, and, and discourage people who are lying about it or discourage people who are faking it. Yeah. And then men, we need to educate other men how to be respectful and act like fucking men and not act like Be a fucking gentleman, man. Be a gentleman, exactly. You're a gentleman. It's a gentle man. What does that mean? I mean, for fuck's sake, it's like, I see them, nothing, and it's like, you know, I'm glad I don't have a daughter because, oh my God, like, a lot of men will be tortured in her life. <laughs> and it's not because, I'm, yes, I am protected by nature, by job, by everything. I just felt like I was born this way in this. But if I had a daughter, and yes, I want her to date, I want, but I'm going to have problems to see the fucking douchebag sitting and not just paying attention to her. No. You know? Like his face is planted. You, you want to know something funny? So Friday night, we went out to Westport, me and Liz. Yeah. And we met up with a friend. She showed up with a guy. They've been dating for about two, three weeks. And we're sitting at the bar and he or he comes and she comes and she she orders a beer. So what is the beer? Like two, three dollars? Yeah. And the bartender goes, What do you want, sir? And he buys a drink. And I looked at him like it's the first time I meet this dude. Very nice looking dude, seemed like a normal dude. And the bartender goes, Is this gonna be together? And it's really like a five dollar tab. And he goes, No, it's separate. And I'm like, you're showing up on your third date to a bar and she bought a beer for two dollars and you don't wanna pay for her? Like What's wrong with you? Why wouldn't you pay the tab? I would never go out in public with a woman and say, let's split the tab. 
that's another thing, by the way, about our culture, if you notice. I haven't, like, been on that single for a while. Uh, but, you know, lately when I want to go out, like, I took somebody, we went out, we had a couple of donuts and drinks. She says, let me pay for this. I was like, no, you're not. No. I don't care if you're friends or what we're doing. Yeah. You're not paying anything. It's in our culture of the man to do this. Then, of course, and hey, I am a very open-minded human being, by the way. You'll be surprised how open-minded I am. Because if I tell you about my academy, you'll be shocked of the spectrum of melting pot it is. It is Culture, yeah. um, gender, sex, all of that. We're yeah. just like, it's the biggest mix in Kansas City. So that shows me as a leader of that place how I'm welcoming. But going back to my point where feminists, I think, attacks to think, well, a man can't do everything for me. What are you talking about? I am talking about when I take you out, it's my man's job. Exactly. I'm paying. I'm moving the seat for you. I'm opening the car door. It's not, it's it's not a sexist thing. You're no, just it's being not. a gentleman. Yeah. And opening it's the door for you. Just, you know? Like, I open doors for anybody that's walking behind me. Yes. Or, I like, if you're walking behind me, I'll keep the door open until you walk in. I'm not going to smack in your face. So why wouldn't I do that to a woman? Yeah. You know, Especially like, somebody you like. You know? Somebody I like. Why don't I open the door for them? Why wouldn't I say, hey, let me pick the tab? It's nothing to be sexist. But if I'm asking you out, I should be picking up the tab. Mm-hmm. If she asked me out, then that's a different story. Mm-hmm. I feel like, all right, cool. If you I've been out, like, sometimes, like, she won't say, I'm getting dinner. Like, flat out, she'll tell me, I'm taking you out for dinner. Okay. I'm like, all right. Okay, okay that's deal. fine. That's fine. Yeah. But if, if I'm asking you out, hey, let's go grab drinks, then you probably should pick the tab. Mm-hmm. And if you show up to a bar and it's a two fucking dollar beer, pay the two dollars and look like a gentleman and be like, hey, I bought you a beer. It's one beer. Literally, the girl drank two beers the entire night. I was counting. And I was like... You literally couldn't pay the two, like four or five dollars, and look like a gentleman in front of us. And instead, you're spoiling the check every single place you go. Jesus Christ! And it's just like it, it looks embarrassing. It looks bad on you as a man. Like, why can't you pick up a tab? Yeah. And if you can't afford it, then take care somewhere cheaper where you can't afford it. Yeah. Or there's a lot of ideas to go on dates which doesn't cost money. Go to the park and walk around. Yeah. Yeah. Go to the park. Buy yeah. a bottle of wine for five dollars and go sit in the park, drink it, and call it a you know picnic. She wouldn't say no. She wouldn't say no. It's a nice idea. idea. But if you if you go to a bar, then you you probably should have money to buy her a drink or two. I'm not saying take. I hope he showered too. I know. I hope so too. (laughs) It was just weird. It was weird, and and uh, and I think women are are accepting. Like to her, it wasn't weird. To me, it was weird. It was like okay, this is a red flag. To her, it probably was. How old were they? If you don't mind me asking, I think she was 22, 23, and and he was older, like 24, 25. And I was like, what what the hell is going on? Like, if you're taking her out, you should be paying the tab. And to her, it was normal because I think she's used to that idea. Mm-hmm. And a lot of women are surprised. Like yesterday, we were in a Mexican restaurant. You held the door open for a woman. She literally, I saw her face like, change color. She was like surprised that somebody yeah. held the door. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Like smack the door in your face? Yeah. Like, you walk into the restaurant as we're walking out. Yeah. Like, what and do you I want to do? I smiled and I said, hey, go in. And she's like, oh, oh thank you. I'm like, she oh, was like, like smack this door in your face. <laughs> even when we went to the Plaza Fair, and then remember walking to Jack Stack, we couldn't find it. Yeah. So suddenly we saw too and even Shannon that what he's gay he's yeah. one of our you know training partners and all that my assistant he held the door open for them exactly and they were shocked it was they were surprised yeah. they were like why is somebody holding the door for me and it's exactly it's just weird no man it, it got killed and this is really a bad thing coming up in society and it's really gonna destroy the foundation of a lot of things and I, I do believe this is very important to be addressed that you know our hopes to educate people on this and you know if you're going through things like this you know you can listen to it and I think that's why the podcast is gonna be very helpful we're gonna talk about you know culture we're gonna talk about dating communication business how to be successful what does it mean to be an alpha what, what the myth myth about being an Arab the myth about being an alpha there's a lot of myths that goes around about that you know uh, about savage all this and that there's a lot yeah. of myth that goes around about that so we want to educate people about it and, and educate men how to act like gentlemen and empower women to do not settle down and date somebody who is not a gentleman you don't have to settle down if you can't find a man who treats you well then wait till you find a man that treats you well mm-hmm. and you shouldn't settle down just because the majority of people are shitty yeah. and that's what we want to hope that you get out of this podcast and if you have something specific that you want to discuss you can DM us or find us on Instagram uh, Frost what's your Instagram? my Instagram is Frost F-R-O-S-S-T 13 Frost number 13 
And I'm uh, Thug with PhD. You can find us on Instagram or find the show's part of Instagram and send us a message saying we want to chat about something. We're going to have a lot of uh, different people come to the show Absolutely. and uh, bring out a lot of perspective. I think every every single episode is going to be different, whether it's about dating, about business. It's not going to be one topic. So we switch it up and, and keep it interesting. Yeah, we're going to be putting also voting polls. And like I said, we are very active on Instagram because honestly, that's our professional connect there. We have Facebook, but Facebook is just... No, I, I keep it for just small business stuff. Yeah, I don't. I don't even check Facebook anymore. Yeah, no, I mean, I just post for certain things. Yeah, just I just leave it active. Yeah, I post it once a day, but it's it's getting too negative. Uh, yeah, it's very. Yeah, that's it's, why Instagram is the place to be. So if you're a professional, really, yeah, and I like it, it weeds out a lot of retards, in my opinion, because it, it, it's it's complicated for people to put a picture and put a caption on it. <laughs> exactly. why, why is it so? Hard? And if you're so, if you're shitty, you probably wouldn't make it in Instagram. You'll have two followers or yeah, yeah. followers. You wouldn't make it on the radar where I will f- see you or find you. Yeah. I think we're also on our um, on our uh, Arabs in a podcast Instagram. We'll post also a personal Instagram on each uh, for a post or something so people can follow us. Yeah, you can follow us, connect to us, tell us what you want to talk about. And if you disagree with something, get up, tell us. If you disagree, we don't mind. Yeah. Well, I think that's a wrap for us today. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Thank you to our sponsors. Nutra Authority, no bullshit high quality supplement. Warrior Culture Gear custom designed and hand printed apparel made by and for the modern warrior. Warrior Warrior Fuel, Kansas City's best pre-made healthy meal delivery plan. Feed the warrior in you.